and welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live, right here on Faith FM. G'day, my name's Lloyd Grolleman, I'm the Aussie Pastor, welcome to our program today. Hunty, welcome. G'day mate, it's good to be here. You know, I don't like to start on a negative note because I think we should be a positive program. It's a positive, positive show. But there are two things that are irritating me today on my way across here to your place where our studio is. In detail. The first one is this. Fuel. Premium fuel. Mm -hmm. The cheapest fuel station I know in Sydney outside of Costco because Costco is the cheapest, but I don't have a Costco card because I don't want to pay the 50 bucks to get one. Yep. Dollar. 81, Ouch. a litre. And he's normally 10 to 20 cents or more below everybody else. So I just... Oh, dear. Can't. And the thing that kind of confuses me there is oil is low at the moment. And so we've got a low price for a barrel of oil and it's costing a fortune. <sighs> One negative. Let's get them out of the way. Let's okay. sweep all, right. all the negatives all right, out of the way. Second negative, yep. that Queensland border. Oh, it's open. That's good news. <sighs> yeah, but you know what? you got to do a test... At least 72 yeah, hours before true. you go. That's and then true. when you get across, you've got to fill a form out to get across. So you're going yeah. to wait at the border for five hours. It's like changing states in the Soviet Union, going from West Germany to East Germany. Then when you get over there, and I'm complaining because I've got to go and see my dad and mum. Real, haven't seen them for a long time. Yeah, they need to see you. They're not so well. And I've got to rip up because I'm scared that with Omricon, Omricon, yeah. they're going to yep. close the border again. And I won't see them for another. And, you know, when they're old, you just don't know, do you? That's but right. when you get to Queensland, did you know that within seventy-two hours, so you got to do a, you got to do a test when you go across the border, yep. seventy-two hours prior. Before. Yep. And then when you get across there, if you stay there for more than five days, which I won't, you've got to do another, another test. test. Oh dear. <sighs> you know, I just wish the prime minister, and he can do it, because um, state legislation, uh, federal legislation overrules state. Did you know that? Who has to pay for the hospitals? That's state and federal. Okay. The states run the hospitals, but the feds put a lot of money to them. So I say he who pays says. Well, that, that, that would leave it murky. Murky, right. But I know the Prime Minister could open a str- – oh, how I wish he would. So we could just get around, you know. That's right. Um, the West Australians, I don't know whether you realise it. Oh, we love the West Australians. Yeah, we do. Never been there. Like to go there. Supposed to go there next well, I year. I love it. Supposed to go there in 2022 to a camp meeting. Yep. But the Western Australians um, – they just lost uh, an Ashes Test match, which would be very painful for them. Yes. But anyway, I like we're that. not here to talk about all that news, <laughs> no, all, no, all, we... all that negative news. Isn't this a COVID-free zone? That's right. And we've got a great program Have we? lined up this Do afternoon. Do you know what's coming? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've got Rod Johnson back on. He's going to talk about superannuation and the Christian perspective. We've also got Simon Gigalotti. Gigliotti, he's got a you didn't very... didn't too bad, oh, I was going. Um, he's going to talk about parents and kids and God. And our third interview this afternoon will be with Michael Worker. You know, there's two new laws in Australia, one in Victoria, one federally, that have a lot to do with religious freedom. They're We're a big deal, to, actually. Yeah. One of them's gone through, the other one looks like it won't. But Michael Worker is an expert in this area. And his interview, I reckon, is going to be very, very interesting. And we look forward to hearing what he has to say. You know, but above all else today, we hope and pray that on our program, as always, because this is what we're about, we pray that you get a glimpse of how beautiful Jesus is. You're listening to The Aussie Pastor, here on Faith FM. Hey, Hunty. 
Yeah. You've been watching the news? Oh, of course. A bit of a news There's hand. a lot of news around at the moment that's not just COVID, isn't there? That's right. One of the big things, and I only picked up on this a day or so ago, is the now the media, I don't know, and I'm, I'm about to bring a truckie mate on of mine. His name is Brendan Linneyweber. Yep. Real yep. truckie. Owns a trucking yep. company. Yep. Yep. But the media is saying at the moment that we're about to run out of diesel. So you know what I did? Last night, I'm reading this, I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, i better go out to the farm and get all my diesel drums because I have a car that runs on diesel, I have a tractor that runs on diesel. Man, I need diesel, and I'll fill it up with diesel. And I rang you up and you said, oh, no, it's not exactly like that. No. They're not running out of diesel, are they? No, no, diesel's fine. They're running out of... AdBlue. Which is an additive. Yes. To diesel. Actually, I want to talk to, to Linny Webber, yeah, Brendan. Let's, is let's he around? online. You there, Brendan? Yeah, mate, I'm here. How are you? How you going, Brendan? Oh, yeah, all good, mate. How about yourself? Yeah, pretty good. Now, you're a truckie and you own a trucking company, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Are you sitting in the truck now? No, no, I'm in the office just doing some paperwork. Ah, I was in the truck this morning. That must be one of the first times yeah, I've run ever you. got you out of the truck. <laughs> Not in the truck, man. <laughs> hey, Brendan, you're supposed to be in the truck. It sets the scene, man. <laughs> oh, no, that's okay. Hey, hey tell me... Um, um, I just want to ask you a couple of questions about this. What is AdBlue, and will your trucks run without it? Well, AdBlue, it's an additive <coughs> sorry, that's designed to reduce the emissions. It's 32.5% urea and about 67.5% of deionized and demineralized water. And it injects into the exhaust system after the um, c- combustion, and it creates a chemical reaction which turns those uh, exhaust emissions into something that's nowhere near as dangerous or harmful to the environment or to us. That's what it does. Okay, so as I'm listening to you right, this is the thing that goes into the exhaust and it's for the environment. Your truck, actually, or trucks, modern trucks, technically could run without AdBlue. Is that right? Um, <clears throat> there's a bit of an issue there with environmental laws that if you were to disable it or to do something to it, you're not complying with the ADR, and then, yeah, we're, we're liable to be fined for that. Is it is it difficult to disable it, or is that quite a complex? No, I'm not, I'm not, of course, I'm not encouraging you to do that, mate. I'm just wondering, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's something that you've got to do through the um, engine management system, so you need a dealership with the computer programming to get in and do it. So even if the government were to say, okay, let's disconnect from AdBlue for, say, a month while we sort out this supply problem, you, you, it basically is impractical, couldn't happen because there's just too many uh, trucks to do it. Is that correct? There's a lot of trucks that run it. Probably, I think it's around 70% of the trucks now do it. Did, is your, it? Is your, do your trucks run on AdBlue? One does, but I'm <clears throat> I'm lucky enough that um, that one it it is an older ad blue, so I can do it myself to turn it off if I had to. Okay. Okay. So I heard that you can put distilled water in place of ad blue if you're a bit naughty. People have done it, but it's got it does it's got additive. Sorry, it doesn't it does it's got um, stuff in the water that is removed, and that water the it's minerals and stuff that's in the water. Um, even after being demineralised, there's also iron in there, deionised as well, and that causes damage to the um, AdBlue system in the exhaust. Got it. So you can't do that, Hunter. So no cheating. You, you, you cannot. You can, you can, but it causes a lot. You're running a high risk of um, engine, uh, more exhaust system and AdBlue damage to the system. 
So the big question is now, and you're into trucks big time, you, you move a lot of different stuff around. In your opinion, yeah. as a truckie, as a truck owner of a company, is it a threat to supply in Australia? Because I think, Hunty, that's the big issue, isn't it? Sure. Can we, get our grocery, can we get our food and groceries? Can we get our supplies? Well, it is an issue because a lot of these food chains have, for the last couple of years, requested Euro 5 um, only trucks or late models with Euro 5, which is Ad Blue. So if they're no Ad Blue, they won't go. Now, if you're running out of Ad Blue, some trucks will detune, they call it a safety link mode. Yep. And they might only have 50 or 40% of the horsepower. So the I hope we're not following them on, on the road, Hunty. <laughs> oh, you guys already yeah, get in the way, Brendan. <laughs> and some of them, they just won't even run. If the AdBlue tank's empty, the computer won't allow the truck to start. So last question, mate. Um, yeah. Do you think we're going to have a crisis or are we going to be okay? Well, I was talking to a few other operators this morning and they're concerned, but I was also talking to Senator Glenn Spell from WA, he's uh, Shadow Transport Minister, okay. and he was telling me that there is some major concerns. Uh, we used to have urea in Australia, but they ceased mining of it a long time ago on Gibson Island, Yep, uh, and that used to be done by a company up there. All right, so we we could be facing a crisis. Well, look, mate, thanks for coming on board. We appreciate that. Um You've become our new, what do you call it, Hunty? Yes, new, a new correspondent. Yeah, you're a new, you're a new correspondent Trans- on the transportation road. Transportation correspondent. Brendan Linnerweber. <laughs> so we'll do I need to talk to your brother about that for dobbing me in? <laughs> <laughs> he never dobbed you. He's a truckie too for our listeners. Nah, I actually, actually he did dob you in because I tried to get him to come on and he wouldn't do it. And he said, go and get, oh, no, he, he said, to me and I said, I'm going to, I'll get you for this problem. <laughs> he, he said, go and get Brendan because Brendan is a, a, a mechanic and a truckie. He knows more than me, but I yeah. think he was a bit scared. Hey, good on you for having the courage to come on, mate. Thanks, bud. No worries. See you next See time. You have a good day. Yeah, Cheers, bye. Thank bye. you. That's a bit of a worry, Hunty. It is. Um, I think even some cars have got a... Is that true four-wheel yes. drive? Yeah, a lot of a lot of big four-wheel drives have got an AdBlue you've, you've got a uh, four-wheel drive. Do you yeah, have I've got a diesel a Jeep Grand Cherokee. The model that I've got does not have the AdBlue tank, but the exact same car in America does. Well, if my, my car, I have a, I have a Hyundai... It's a, it's a diesel too. If, if it has an ad blue tank, I don't know about it. No, yours doesn't. <laughs> I've done about 10,000 Ks yeah. in this car. So, <laughs> but I was worried. I was really worried. I thought, man, I'm going to run out of diesel. Actually, uh, I wonder, I was thinking, you know, cause we we're talking last night and you said, oh, you're not going to run out of diesel. You'll be right. But we might because the trucks that take the diesel around probably have ad blue in them. Yeah, so they if do. they can't That's true. deliver the That's diesel, true. so perhaps I better go out and get my... Yeah, there um, might be a fuel shortage because it, once there's a truck shortage, there's, a, there's everything shortage. Actually, look, it's not a light, uh, easy-going um, thing. It, this is serious. It is. And and it's just interesting to me, and it's a, it's a bit sobering. When you see the supply chains and our culture falling down, It it's worrying. Yeah. Now, look, just because of time, I want to just do the, the good news story. Okay. Um, and I know you'll like that. Hunty loves to move the program I love when we stay on schedule and not run late. We run late every week, don't every we? Every week. Is there ever been a week when we haven't run late? No. <laughs> <laughs> We're lucky we've got a Bible study at the end that we can, we can go short can or long. Flex, yeah. Actually, sometimes I wish we had more time for the Bible study. So let's talk. That's why I'm skipping these other news items. I was going to talk about the earth getting a black box, maybe next week. Next week. And yep. the other really alarming one I wanted to talk about, did you know that Australia is the drunkest place on earth? Apparently we, so. We drink more alcohol. Let's talk about that next week. Okay. The good news story. Yes. And I think this is, this is a good news story, potentially. And I don't know much about this sort of stuff. But stem cell research has got a cure 
to diabetes one. Yes. Fantastic. Because diabetes is a major problem. It's in its infancy, but the results are looking very promising. Stem cell research and its impact to help us medically is huge, isn't it? Yeah. Let me explain for our listeners. Stem cells are unique cells in the body that can grow up to be just about anything. You find a lot of them in the placenta. Yes, in the the umbilical cord, yeah. And so these stem cells, given the right encouragement, can grow body parts that we need. Incredible, isn't it? In, is indeed. Yeah, it is. And and so they're, they're able to repair organs and things in the body that are damaged and even help us with diabetes. Now, I don't have diabetes. I certainly don't have diabetes 1, but I have pre-diabetes. Is it pre-diabetes 2 that I'm Yeah, dealing? diabetes 2 is. Because diabetes 1 you're kind of born with or it's a, it's a natural. Yeah, it's an autoimmune disease. Which is, well, I think, are they both autoimmune diseases? Well, one more so because it's when your, your body attacks the insulin production in your body. Yeah. Um, big deal. Big. I've got a mate who's got diabetes, having massive diabetes one, mm. having massive problems. He's my age, and it, it actually is a threat, a genuine threat to his life. For if sure. He's struggling. For sure. And so that is a good news story. And, and amongst all the bad news that's out there in the, in the world at the moment, there are still some wonderful things happening, aren't there? Absolutely. And if you want to go to some of the, one of the areas where some of the greatest things on earth are happening, it's in medical research. Praise the Lord. Okay, Auntie. That's Alrighty, it. That's it. Let's get on with the program. So, what do we say when these things happen? Look up, because Jesus will soon be here. What a wondrous love is this, oh my soul, oh my soul. What wondrous love is this, oh my soul. What wondrous love is this that caused the Lord of bliss. To bear the dreadful curse for my soul To bear the dreadful curse for my soul What a wondrous love What a wondrous love What a wondrous love
I'm free, I'll sing on, I'll sing on. And when from death I'm free, I'll sing on. And when from death I'm free, I'll sing in joyful beat. And through eternity, I'll sing on. And through eternity, I'll sing. What a wondrous love What a wondrous love What a wondrous love What a wondrous love Uh, Rod, you there, mate? Yeah, I'm here, mate. Can you oh, hear me? Yeah, I can. Glad to have you back. I don't think we're going to... Was it with Rod we had the tragedy last week? And it was we a little that. bit of a tragedy, yes. Yeah, yeah. So I can see you and I can hear you this week, so I'm pretty glad about that. Welcome back. Good to have you on board. Thanks, um, Lloyd. Glad gonna, to be here. Yeah. We're going to talk about superannuation. Ooh. Probably one of your areas, I reckon, for sure. Uh, yes. I hope it is because you've been looking after my superannuation for about 10 years. <laughs> um, what about superannuation? I'm talking from a Christian perspective today. Is it, in your view, and, and I, I think I know what you're going to say here, but is it important? Why? Well, superannuation um, was basically set up by the government as part of a, you know, as part of the um, pay rise to go in for our future so that we could have something to um, live on in our retirement. Is it the government trying to get out of paying a pension? Well, <clears throat> the thing is at the moment is that the government probably can't afford paying the pension into the future. For too that much longer. That would be the simplest way to say it. Yeah, especially with the ageing population. Yeah, there's an old stat went around years ago, you just reminded me, that said back in the 80s for every, for every seven people working, there was one person retired. Yep. In 20, and then in, I think the mid 90s, it was for every <coughs> five people working, there was only one retired. Yep. So if you consider that there's seven people putting away for that one person on social security, and then as the aging population crept up, there's only five people putting it away. By 2028, they say it's only going to be 2.8 people putting away for that one person retired in taxes. So the age pension, yes, is going to, it's going to be harder to fund it from a government perspective. And so the idea is, well, let's let's set up a super system that we can put people, uh, they can put money into it and instead of getting a pay rise, we'll go to a super fund. And then you can use that money and withdraw it as an income. That's how it was mainly intent to be used Yeah, yeah. Um, for your retirement. Okay. Um, so if I'm a young fella, just starting work, so I'm 22, just finished my university degree, just starting work, um, I'm talking percentages. If if you are advising a young person now, I know you actually work a fair bit with young people. What percentage <laughs> would you advise them to put away in the first five years of work? Just go with the government requirement, or or put away more? Well, <clears throat> young people are my passion. You know that. So. Yeah, I do. Um, we should go back a little bit to what we spoke about last week a bit, you know. I think the one thing that young people should do is 
work out who they want to be and what they want to be in their life. And in most cases, we come back to, you know, the three things I said last week, they want to get married, they want to have kids, and they want to own a home. Mm. Um, the reality is for me, and it's probably not the right one, but the reality is for me is that um, if you're 20 years of age, you don't get to touch your super until you're, what is it, 60 is the yeah. first chance you get yeah. to take it. Yeah. And um, let me just get rid of that. It's, it's 60. So it's a long way away for a young person to see the benefit of superannuation. You know, and I would rather in those early years, you know, if they're not saving on and not putting money away, for sure, the government's making us put away 10% now this year from the 1st of July yep. of what we get. If you can put away a little bit more, that's great because compounding interest works its best over a long period of time. But I think for most young people, if they really want to get into a house, have a family, they're going to need good cash flow, they're going to need... They're not going to need a good budget. I think, you know, it's probably a question is where should their priorities be and probably saving and getting into a home would be my first option. Okay, good. Good advice. Now, what about when you get older, say like Hunty, who's going on 64, <laughs> 65 years of age? Thank <laughs> <Are> you. <laughs> no, not really. He's in his, he's in his uh, 50s. La- late 40s. <laughs> <laughs> no, late say, 40s. Say, say you're 57, 58, 59, 60, that sort of age group. So you're looking maybe five, ten years before you retire, should you start looking at putting more away then or even a little bit before? Well, on the whole, I think you should, Lloyd. I mean, everybody's got personal different circumstances. But, you know, when you get to that age, usually you've gone through the hard stage of raising your kids and that's the financial stress point because when you first start out working, you have kids, you're not at the pinnacle of your of your um, wage growth. You know our kids aren't leaving now, don't you, Rod? Yeah, I know. know. You know, you're talking 20, 21, 22. I've got a 23-year-old son at home. (laughs) They're not leaving, bro. (laughs) Yeah, I know they're not leaving. And, you know, and good on them. They're smart. You know, why not use our money? But, you know, kids leaving home is a bit like retirement. It's a bit of a myth, isn't it? Yeah, um, well, it is. But, yeah, look, at that age, theoretically, you know, you're, you're at the top of your wage, you your debt level's gone down if you got into a house. You've yeah. got more disposable income. Yep. If you're going to look to put money away to have a, a better retirement, whatever retirement, we should talk about retirement, what that means. But if we, to put away for a better retirement, then, yes, it's very tax-effective because um, you can you can take money out of, your, out of your wage pre-tax and pay it at a much lower rate than what you would if you took it as income and then use it in your super fund. So, yeah, it's a very good idea. One of the things I like, and you and me have talked long about this, and uh, I'm not I'm not doing it for for some of the reasons you might give, but what about investing in self managed super? I love it, self managed super. <laughs> I'm in control. Go and buy a house, watch it go up. Uh, love it. Yeah, we, 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 hope- we love this, don't we? This it's a great discussion. Yeah. Well, the reality is, is that ten years ago, self managed super funds were on the rise. Yeah. Because self-managed super funds, you had a lot of flexibility to do things, mm. but they're also low cost to run. But with the ATO and more regulation, self-managed super funds are more expensive to run now. Mm. Look, the ATO says if you don't have around about 250000 plus, it's not worth having one. Mm. I tend to think in our office, we're talking, you probably need around about $400,000. But the other reason why people don't sell many super funds a lot is because they could do a lot of they could do a lot of things. They can invest in shares direct. 
They could um, buy property. They could do all of that stuff. Under under most super funds now, or a lot of the good ones, you can do all of those things. The one thing you can't do is buy your own investment property mm-hmm. or your own business premise, and you can't and you can't borrow money. And if you've got a self managed super fund, you can use borrowings to, you know, to do that. And that's that's a pretty good strategy to create wealth given the right circumstances. So, is it for everybody? Well, the, we're seeing today in our business that for every one person that joins into a self-managed super fund, one is probably going out of a self-managed super fund mm. because inherently people have all these great ideas of what they're going to do themselves and they don't do them. And a lot of them now that are getting older, they don't want to run their own self-managed super funds and especially, you know, whether it's the, the husband or the wife, one of them will be quite keen to do it and the other one won't. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm not against it. If you want to buy investment properties and gear into it, then I think it's a great idea, and it's the only way you can do it. But if, if that's the only that's the only reason I would do it, you'd, you'd need to. Seems to me, if you're going into self super, as I've been talking to you over the years through it, you need a little bit of nous too. You got to be careful because you could lose everything if you're not doing, making the right decisions. Um, how about this one? Um, my workplace chooses my super for me. Well, the great thing about this one is, is that that's called the default superannuation scheme. Everybody in Australia, in the majority of cases, has a choice mm. to go to whichever super fund they want to. But if you don't choose, then the employer will put you into the one that he's chosen. And that's correct. And that's not a bad thing. You know, most employees now, um, have got pretty good superannuation schemes and, and, um, you know, the government's pretty vigilant on it lately. On saying uh, what what are good super super plans and what aren't good super plans? Yeah, they do. That's true. And uh, what about uh, another question here? My boss is not paying me my superannuation as he should. Does that happen? And should I check my super to make sure he is? <clears throat> well, this came up today of a client, Lloyd. I've got to say, on the whole, Australian employees today are pretty good at paying. Um, then their employees, their superannuation guarantee. The, the, the problem usually comes with the smaller companies. And I don't know what that is. Um, but you know, it's very hard for an employer to get away with it now. So yeah. if they do do it, is that noise bothering you? Yeah, just a little bit. Maybe I'll call you on the phone. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. Answer your phone, brother. <laughs> It looks like we're we're having fun again with Rod Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm here on the phone. That that was a pretty good change over hunting. Mate, that's pretty slick, eh? But we've still got some funny noises going on in there. Yeah. Just kill your computer, thanks, Rod. Yep. You still there, Rod? Computer completely. No, no, just the sound. Just the sound, that's all. Yeah, yeah I've done that. Uh, okay. Um I'm so all... going back to the question. Yep. Just yep. about the employer. The most employees will put it away, Lloyd. The thing is today, everything's regulated. Every every dollar you earn is traceable. Uh, if the employer doesn't put it away, it does send a single off to the tax office. Yeah. That uh, that they haven't paid it, and um, you know. Okay, so you they've got that. To a government website. They've got that covered then, pretty much. Um, yeah. I, this is one I I see in my generation a bit. I'm older and I have no superannuation. Say I'm fifty five. 60, what should I do? Come and talk yeah. to Rod Johnson fast. <laughs> this, 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 is, this is an interesting question. This is a loaded question in some ways. Look, 
if you don't have superannuation and you own your own home, you can fall back on the pension in retirement. Yep. The real problem comes if you don't have any superannuation and you don't own your own home. And people are in that place, aren't they, sometimes? There's a lot of people in that place. And, you know, therefore, you're when you retire, you're relying on the government, you're relying on the social security network yeah. to, A, help you fund your um, – to, to live, just your basic needs, and, and a roof over your head. You and can, that's a very tough situation. Well, you can end up waiting in line for a housing commission home and they're not easy to get into. No, and there's there's not enough housing in Australia that – Absolutely correct. And, you know, you've seen a lot of people that will, um, you know, they'll go and live in a small flat or they'll go into a caravan park type thing or there are places to go, but it's getting um, increasingly more difficult. And with an increasing aging population, I think it's it's just going to be a bigger problem going forward. So so if we've got someone listening in that, in that demographic, should, should they go and talk to someone like you, a financial advisor, uh, to get some advice? Say I'm 55 and I've got no super, I don't own a home, I've still got 10, 12, 15 years of work left. That would still be a time to go and get some help from a financial advisor and start make some concrete plans. Oh, absolutely, Lloyd. I mean, if you've got 10 years to go and you've got a job, you know, the age pension for a single person is about twenty eight thousand a year. For a, for a pull at thirty seven thousand, if you have to pay rent out of that and live as well, yeah. that's a very hard existence. If you can save a bit of money over that ten years and have it as a lump sum for emergencies and things like that, okay. then you know that's 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 a great benefit. Now we're running Absolutely. out of time, but I've got some questions here. I've got to ask you: When I retire, <laughs> should I take out my superannuation in a lump sum, or take it out gradually, like a wage? Well, this is an, this all depends on people's personal situations. Again, I mean, if you have debt left on retirement, yep, then taking out a lump sum and clearing the debt might be a very good option, and I would probably recommend that in most cases. But you know, if you had if you had no debt, you own your home, and you're in that situation. Um, it would be better to take it as an income stream. Yeah, okay, okay. Um, how much do you reckon, say 2021, if you had someone uh, and that you were talking to them, what's a good amount in 2021 to have in your super to retire? This is going to scare us, Hunty. Here we go. Yep, hold on. Well. You know, so you can live. I'm not talking about being able to go overseas and holiday and, and all that sort of stuff. That's good if you can do that. I'm talking how much do you need to retire, be comfortable, live in your house and, 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 um, you know, be able to pay your bills and go for a holiday somewhere once a year in Australia or be able to go and see the kids or whatever. Yeah. I mean, that all depends on where you live as well, I guess. But, you know, I think it's pretty hard for anybody not to, you know, yeah, a couple. They really need around about fifty thousand a year to be comfortable. And how much do you need in your shows. how much do you need in your super to be able to get that sort of money? Well, let's, let's, let let me answer that other question. Just finish it. You know, that's about sixty. If to have a real comfortable retirement, you know, the stats say about twelve hundred dollars a week. Is, you know, you can live quite comfortably and do those yeah. things you said. You know, this is an interesting one. How much do you need in your super fund? But I reckon for a couple. They need about six hundred and fifty thousand, and for a single, if they got about five hundred and fifty, you can probably achieve that. You know, the thing is, Colin, when we talk about retirement, a lot of people, you know, when they first retire, if they do retire at age sixty-seven, yeah, 
they use more money in that first 10 years than what they do in the last 10 years. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's, there's, I mean, we, we should talk about this one week, but, you know, if you have less than $800,000 as a married couple in assets outside of your own home, you can still get some age pension. So the majority of Australians are getting a part age pension yeah. and using their own money to supplement it. Okay. But if you've got 650000 and probably 500000 for single, you can probably survive quite comfortably. Last question. I wish we had a bit more time, but Hunty's given me the, the wind-up. <laughs> the wind-up here. Um, nah. Why should I plan retirement if Jesus is coming soon? You might be surprised how often I hear that question. People will say to me, well, Jesus is coming. I'm not going to worry about my retirement. Yeah. It's a really good question, isn't it? Yeah. You know, I really think that as Christians nowadays, we could we could probably read Matthew 24 a bit more that talks about the end of time. You know, how I see it as a Christian, Lord, is that to answer the question that, um, you know, in Matthew 24, Jesus himself was saying, well, he's going to come soon and these are the things that are going to happen. Don't be worried about it, but be aware. And when he said be aware of these things, you know, he also said on the next verse, you know, a little bit further down, he says to be, to be, to be aware, but he also said to be ready and to be ready is to know God. Yeah, that's right. And if we know God, then we really don't have to worry about too much. Yeah. And, you know, but God has instructed us quite, you know, you know, Joseph putting money away for retirement that we still should live, we still should live in my view to plan you know, for that day when we do need things into the future. Well, we, we but, never, let's, let's be frank, think, mate. You and me never thought we'd retire. Well, <laughs> I, I didn't. Did you, Hunty? <laughs> no, I thought Jesus was coming years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, my dear grandfather, Laurie, I mean, I remember him telling when I was 10, I'll never, he said, you know, Jesus will be coming before you did. And, yeah. And you know what? That's one of the warnings, but isn't it? Well, everybody's saying it's not going to happen. And, that's when it probably will happen. I heard someone... We're getting closer every day, that's for sure. Well, every day, yeah, that's how it works. That's I, it. I heard someone say um, we should live as though Jesus is going to cut. No, we should yeah, live as though Jesus is coming tomorrow, but plan as though we're going to live the rest of our lives on this earth. Exactly. And I think that's yeah. probably a good way to finish. Ron, I want to get you back again. Um, we're, 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 <laughs> yes, please. We've only got a couple of programs left, so it won't be this year, but are you available to come back next year and we talk more on this? Because I think it's a big I, I love this, Lloyd. I think it's very applicable. I think it's a great service what you're doing. But, yeah, I'm always happy to come back on. Yeah. I just hope I can be a bit entertaining, like um, Mr. Oh. Hunt there, is it? We've got Hunty to entertain us. Don't worry, mate. <laughs> All right. God bless you. And have Thanks, a good Rod. Christmas. You too. Good Merry you, Christmas. We'll see you next time. Cheers. See you, mate. Cheers. Yeah, bye bye. Bye. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Okay, Hunty, we're going to do Ask the Aussie Pastor in a moment. We are. You're going to give us a rundown. Absolutely. So it's coming up next. So if you have questions for Aussie Pastor, please send them to us right now. You can send them to us two ways. You can text them to us or email them. 
So how to text them? Text them to 0488880851 or you can email them to us and the email address is info at aussiepasta.com. Going back to that discussion on super, it's always a bit scary, isn't scary. it? Scary. Because we're a generation, mate. I'm 58, you're 57. We're a generation that got caught between the two systems. Yes. So there was no superannuation, yes. what? When we the, started work. For at least the first 12 years of my working experience. That's right. Uh, I reckon about 30. When we were about 30. Plus, we missed out on homeowners and the child grants. We did. We missed the out tax the tax exemptions. We missed out on every single benefit. I know. When he says 600, 700,000. That's a bit scary. <laughs> I mean, to be honest. I'm not even halfway there. I'm a long, long way short of that. But you know what I reckon? Yep. We love Jesus. Of course. We serve him and he will care for us. So even though these conversations can be a bit scary and you wonder where you'll be and what sort of home you'll have and how you'll get through retirement, we have Jesus. Absolutely. And if you've got Jesus, you've got everything. This song from the Statler Brothers, interesting song. This is a pretty big country band in America, the Statler Brothers. They've been around for a long, long time. Never heard them sing this song. But it's, it's a good one. It's an interesting one. It's called In the Beginning. In the beginning, the Lord made the earth, the heavens. The hills and the seas Then he created The sun and the stars The land of fruit, the trees He made all creatures that live in the earth and taught them to live by his plan. Then as he rested, the Lord sanctified the seventh day for man. Man shall have dominion over all, but because we're nothing more than human, sometimes we stumble, sometimes we fall. In the beginning, the so bright perfection was there for all men so pray and believe in the Lord's holy life and we'll have perfection Tight vocals, Hundy. Yeah, amazing vocals. Yeah. yeah, those guys are good, the Stoutler brothers. And yep. they're, they're good Christian boys too. They're old fellas. They're in advance of us, mate. Really? Yeah, they are. That's pretty old. But, uh, I like, I've been listening to Stoutler brothers since I was 10. Hmm. Actually, my love of country music, and as you know, I love country music. Are you like country music or not really? 
Uh, I had a funny musical journey. I did not like it, and then I ended up touring with a country group, doing their sound and their road managing, and I, I love it. Who was that? It was uh, can't remember uh, can Jim McDonald. Oh, okay, yeah, from Christian from Singer. The States was the first country act I, I toured with. Was he a was he the bass for the Heritage Singers? He was at one point, yes. And he had a country band, he, yeah, and also oh, his own his own show, yeah. And also he was part of um, Reunion, okay. which is another great Christian group. Okay. Well, um, that I toured with here in Australia and was so blessed because their music was so good. Is that who you went to Alaska with? Uh, that was Family Reunion. They're different. A different reunion, yeah. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Ask the Aussie pastor. It's time. Let's go for it. Shoot, hunting. This first question's a ripper. Yeah. What is the unpardonable sin? Have I committed it and how can I know? Um, first thing, if you're asking what is the unpardonable sin and you ask it with concern, you haven't committed it. No, that's good. Because if you committed the unpardonable sin, you don't even realise. Wow. The unpardonable sin, a lot of people ask me this question, and it's a good question because it is in the Bible. It is in the Scripture. Um, Hunty, put this down for a short, short Bible study. Okay. This one's worthwhile, the unpardonable sin. Got but it. I'm going to give you the short answer. Yep. It is a continual rejection of the Holy Spirit, so much so. So he comes to you, he convicts you on something, and you go, no. Okay. He comes to you and convicts you again, you go, no. And so you continually turn your back on Christ, and it oh, gets to the point where he knows that no matter how many, well, he knows anyway, but that's another kind of subject, but no matter how many times the Holy Spirit comes to you, you're not going to come, and so he stops coming, right? and your heart goes dead. You have no concept of the call of God anymore, and so that's why I'm saying if you're worried about it, you haven't committed it because the Holy Spirit's still working still on you and you. still calling you. Does that make sense? That does. Thank you. And, and you can't look at someone, no matter what their behaviour, and say, oh, they have or they haven't com- committed the unpardonable sin. You can't do it. I mean, I, I can give you an example. Corrie Ten Boom, uh, World War Two. You're talking about concentration camps, death camps, etc. Um, she converted after World War Two. one of the guards in the death camp that she met. Uh, it's, a, it's a great story. Mm-hmm. She's, in a, she's on a speaking tour and she looks down in the front row and there's one of the guards that had been in the death camp that, you know, um, and she went down and they had a forgiveness and she shared Jesus more with him and he came to Christ. So even the, you just can't judge who's committed it and who hasn't. Right. Does that make sense? It does. Thank yeah. you. Okay, mate. All right, this next question, I've had to edit it a little bit because I don't think this lady would like her her story fully shared, but um, okay. she wants to know if she should leave her husband Apparently, he's been physically violent towards her and her children. Wow. Uh, the short answer is absolutely yes, definitely. Mm, I agree. Don't hang around. Uh, and I know how hard that can be. I remember in my first or second year of ministry, there was a lady who was, she was being bashed by her husband. And, and uh, I used to tell her, leave, leave, leave. I couldn't understand why she, she wouldn't or didn't until I later through more study and a bit more experience, realise that husbands who bash their wives can have a hold over them. Mm. It can be very difficult for that yep. wife to leave. Yep. But but you need to, um, if, if you're, now for sure there'd be wives listening to us who are going through physical abuse. You do need to leave, and if you need help, there are places you can go. You can ring your local church pastor. You can um, talk to, there are government agencies, Hunty, that you can go to that deal with family violence. So, yeah, look, um, get out, uh, plan, but get out and get out as fast as you can. Mm. Your husband who mm. now it's not that the husband who does does that is beyond redemption, but but it's a, usually a long, difficult journey for the mm. husband this to stop that too. sort of behaviour. Mm-hmm. 
It's awful. It's awful. awful. Can I just say something to the men who are listening? please. There is no excuse. There is no excuse, absolutely none, bar none. You cannot find an excuse, a reason in all the world to ever physically harm your wife, to physically hurt her. Agreed. The moment you do that, you have broken your vows before God. You're not a man. No, you are. God put you in that marriage to protect your woman. And the moment you physically touch her, you have committed a very grievous sin against her, against your family, and against God. And it is a grievous sin, and yep. you will be held accountable. Yep. And there is no excuse. Uh, um, I couldn't be firmer on that, Hunty. Yep. No excuse. Yep. And in fact, Same. I find it so deplorable. Uh, i got a lot of weaknesses in my own life and things I've had been challenged by, but I would never do that. Yep. In fact, I don't think you should hit, hurt, not just your wife. You shouldn't hit. You should not be physical. Um uh, violently with anybody. Yep. Okay, mate. I hope I'm firm enough on that. Yep. Uh, well said. Um, and by the way, if you're a husband that's doing that, get help. Stop. Well, get help. And if get you can't help. stop, get help. Get help. And allow your wife to go somewhere safe while you get help. Correct. And don't go back until you're sure. And, and I don't mm. know how that works, but mm. don't go back until you're sure you'll never touch her again. It's a look again. Grievous, grievous sin. Um, another question here from a listener. I'm going to also disguise a bit. They have a drug addiction problem that they can't, well, they haven't managed to beat so far. They want to know, could that keep them out of heaven? And how can they beat it if it will? I don't think the issue of drug addiction is immediately, will it keep you out of heaven or not? The issue of drug addiction is what's it doing to you now? And if you've got a drug addiction problem, get help, get help immediately. Go to your doctor, get help. Yeah. Go to your local hospital. Go to the government. AA. Go to the church. Well, AA is good for alcohol. Do they do drugs? I think they're just al- now, usually, alcohol. You al- think you've got a drug addiction, you've got an alcohol addiction as well. Yeah, okay. I didn't know that. Is that for sure? You know that or is that? Just all the people that I know have struggled with it. Oh, so that you're, everything. you're not talking medical. <laughs> no, no, not talking medical, not talking me personally either, but. Yeah. Uh, look, uh, look yeah. The, the, the thing is go to the church, go to the government, go to the, go start in your doctor with your doctor and get help because the issue is not so much whether you're going to go to heaven or not. The issue is um, what it's doing to your body. Uh, can our experience with Christ help you to escape a drug addiction? Absolutely, totally, yes. He will give you power that's not available. So, yeah, uh, surrender your life to, to Christ. Get into Bible study and prayer morning and night. Get into the presence of God. Go to church. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. But don't just do that. Go get help. Hey, we've got a pile of questions today. <laughs> Um, and we're running, we're running behind you. Keep going, you reckon? All right. This, this, uh, this listener wants to know. They think Adventists believe that sport is a sin, and they're asking, do we really believe sports a sin? I just, uh, <laughs> that's I, right. I, I made a mistake then, hunting. Surely not. I coughed. Hit the mute button. Put the mute button on. And I didn't put it back on. Well, it's good that you're back now. Yeah. Um, so sin, is, um, do we Adventists think sports are sin? It definitely can be. Wow. Uh, and I think the way modern sport has gone, where it's crush your opponent at all costs, I, I, I think there's a real problem with it. Um, I think the money in sport, I think the corruption in sport, the gambling, the betting in sport, I think there's real issues with it. I, as you know, I'm a sports was a sports fanatic. The mm. closer I get to Christ, the less I'm into competitive sport. 
I don't think there's anything wrong going having a game of tennis and thumping you on the court, Hunty. I don't mind that. Same with squash. I'll no. do. I'll do. Dream, dreams are free, buddy. Dreams are free. I'll even get into a badminton court and knock you over. <laughs> you can see now why competitive sport is not good. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> we are case in point. <laughs> no, nah, look, getting out and having a game probably good for you. Yeah, it doesn't hurt your kids to win and to lose too. But I tell you what, the way sports going now, it's something. You got to watch, and I've never had it better when I forsook my um, addiction yes. <laughs> to sport. There All you right, just like it moving. Yeah. All right. Uh, this listener would like to know if there are going to be any more profits between now and the end of time, and need more prophecies. Yeah, sure. Joel two twenty eight and twenty nine says very chapter two verse twenty eight and verse twenty nine says very clearly that in the last days your old men will have dreams and your young men will prophesy and there'll be heaps of prophecy and the way you can tell whether someone's got the gift of prophecy or not don't just wipe them out when they come and they say I've got a message from the Lord test it against the scripture test it against if it holds up well maybe it is if it doesn't then you can wipe it out does that make sense yeah Auntie? that does make yeah. sense okay is it wrong for Christians to be in the military? Well, it's definitely wrong for Christians to kill. Um, I, I would, and I do this with my own young people because I've got young people who join the military. My dad was a chaplain in the military. My dad was a military man. He was in the Australian military during the Vietnam War. He never went to Vietnam. He just missed out, but he was in the, he was he was in the military, and then he became a chaplain for the U.S. military, working in Korea and Europe. Uh, he saw the terrible damage that the wars in Afghanistan and Iran, Iraq, sorry, did to the soldiers as they'd come back, and, and yeah. how their minds and their lives were absolutely destroyed. We're not designed to kill each other. So, if you're a young person, you're thinking of going into the military. I'd advise you to find another career because it's completely dedicated. To the death of others, you can say, "Well, it's for the defence of the nation." I get that. My grandfather was on the Kokoda track fighting against the Japanese. I get all that, and it can be complex. But I'd advise you, if you want a born-again relationship with Christ, avoid the military. I'm going to say that without too many apologies, hunty. Mm. Now, if you're in the military and you're mm. listening, mm. don't get too hostile. I mm. think you can live for Christ in the military, and we've got a number of guys in our church. Yeah, we do. I baptised a guy who was a wing commander in the Air Force. He lived a very faithful life and still is with Christ. Yep. Yeah. All righty. But, but avoid it. <laughs> you know you want to go on, but avoid it. Avoid it because the whole thing's about killing, killing someone else. Go on, mate. Mm. Will spiritualism be visual in the SDA church? And if so, what do we look for? Uh, well, firstly, what's spiritualism? Spiritualism in the occult. Ah. It's the working of Satan in okay. a miraculous Physical way, so you can see it. Ouija boards, seances, um, soothsayers, bringing up the dead, talking to the dead, your star signs, all that sort of stuff is spiritualism. Will it be in the Adventist church? Maybe the better question is, will it be in the Christian church? Yeah, possibly. Uh, just watch out like you do in life, Hunty. Keep an eye on anything, that whether it's in the church or out of the church. Test it against Scripture, and if it falls short, well, whether it's in the church or not, run. All right, last question. Does God expect you to be physically fit? Yeah. Ouch. I am, but Hunty's not. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky this is radio, not television. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. All righty. Well, uh, there, um, there's, we're not finished on oh, that. We're not finished, no. though. Um, there's no doubt that your temple is um, 
your body is a temple of God. It's where God lives, and He expects us to look after our body, and that means we need to be careful what we eat. This is one for me: how much we eat. It means every day we need to go out and physically exercise and give ourselves a chance. Now, is it salvational or not? Now, possibly not. Fat people are going to be in heaven through the grace of God. God. Good. Praise the Lord, hunting. Good. <laughs> <laughs> but I think God wants us to be physically fit because when you're physically fit and you're healthy, you're happier than being physically unfit and unhealthy and sick. Mm. So does God want you to be physically fit? God wants you to be happy, and you're always going to be happier if you're more physically fit than not. There you go. That's so that's it. it, is it? That's it. Hey, before you go. Yes. Is it too late? No, look, a question. I'll give you the numbers again. You can send your questions anytime between now and next Tuesday because we will certainly like to hear your questions. So that number again for text is 0488-880-851 or you can email them to us, info at aussiepasta.com. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Of our loving Lord Grace that exceeds Our sin and our guilt Yonder on Calvary's mount outpour There where the blood of the Lamb was spilled Grace, grace God's grace Grace that will pardon and cleanse within Grace, grace, God's grace Grace that is greater than all our sin Marvelous, infinite, matchless grace Freely bestowed on all who see his face will you this moment his grace receive grace grace God's grace grace that will pardon and cleanse within grace grace God's grace grace that is greater than
want to welcome back uh, Simon Gigliotti. I bet you I didn't say that right. Gigliotti. I reckon it's pretty good. Gigliotti. How'd it go, Simon? Oh, look, not too bad, guys. I mean, you, you gave it a good crap. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us how we can Come say on, it. do it again for us. How do you say it? So, the correct is Gigliotti. Gigliotti. Oh, okay, I got Gilliotti. that. Not Gigliotti. <laughs> Gigliotti. Okay. It's as bad as Grolleman, mate. We've both it, got it's those. It's one of those ones. It is, isn't it? Like, have you got to the point where people ask your name and you just spell it? Like, if they want it, you just go G-I-G, you know? Pretty, like, pretty much. That's what I do. They say, what's your name? And I say, I just, just spell it, mate. Here you go. G-I. And then you take about 10 minutes. <laughs> what was that? G? Was that an I? Was that a, you know how it is. Oh, I've got full sympathy with you, man. I'm in exactly the same boat. Um, welcome yes. back to our program. For those of you who don't know, he is our youth leader. For about 60 churches, would that be right, Simon, here in Sydney? Um, in Greater Sydney Conference? Yeah. Uh, well, technically we got about 100 churches. Oh, have we really? There you go. I, yeah. I cut a short by 40, aren't they? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> technically speaking, but, you know, um, some of those are quite small. Some of those groups are quite small, but... Um, yeah, yeah, we do. We've got quite a crowd happening around here in Sydney. We're nearly like Maccas, one on every corner. <laughs> <laughs> how many How many youth did you say you reckon you look after? Two, three thousand? we've got, yeah, about three thousand, something like that. I wouldn't be surprised if there's more, actually. Hmm. Because it it is, well the be. Sydney church is a young church. It's an ethnic church. So there's a lot of people from overseas in our church, which means it's a young church. I, I, I want to talk to you today from the vantage point of a parent to one of our youth leaders. Now you've got some exciting news. You're gonna you're gonna launch this on on uh, radio before we go any further, because if you oh, don't, okay. I will. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you you can go for it. You can launch it. <laughs> well, it's with uh, great uh, pleasure that I'd like to announce that. Simon is about to become a dad. It's it. Congratulations, <laughs> mate. Simon, who? Well, <laughs> Very well done, Auntie. Uh, how 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 far away is your wife from this little one coming? Yeah, so she's about nineteen weeks. So um, yeah, getting getting close to the halfway mark now, which is which is exciting. And this is your first uh, one. First one. Love I think it. it's probably going to go pretty quick, and it'll be here pretty soon. Yeah, yeah. No, look, your whole life's about to change. Enjoy, enjoy sleep. Enjoy sleep, because. <laughs> You're you got about twenty weeks left, and then bang, <laughs> life is going to change for the next. Well, no, forever, forever. It never changes, and it is one of the most beautiful, glorious gifts God will give you. Mate, as it's a the child. best time of your life. Yep, yep, it is. Hey, everyone says the same thing. Oh, get plenty of sleep. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I better do that. <laughs> well, you're young. You'll be right. Um, you'll so right. I'm asking some questions from from the vantage point of a parent, which you're about to come. I ask you these questions though because you are a youth leader and you work with our youth, and you you know probably their their uh, perspectives and the way they think because you're you're literally youth yourself um, compared to us old guys. In fact, Hunty, I was in youth work. Did you know that, Simon? Yep, I was. For the first uh, 15 years, half my ministry, I've been in youth work through to conference where you are. Um, in fact, I got a call to be the Greater Sydney Conference Youth Director, what you're doing. But I decided to stay off church work because it's actually a tough gig. And you'll see that as you, as you, now you're married and you, you're going to have a baby, you're going to see it is a tough gig, especially once you've got that, you know, you're getting dragged out to camps, et cetera. Um, but I'm asking as a parent, so what do I do? And, and we've got to move through this pretty quickly because I want to get all these questions answered. And I bet you we don't, Hunty, but I'm trying. Okay. What do I do if my child who's brought up in Christ rejects my values 
and goes and lives with a partner outside of marriage, which is a big deal for a Christian parent. When you've brought your, you've brought your child up, do you know what I mean? And then I think he's lost his sound, hunty. Oh, no. Well, I can fix that. Can you? I'm going to call him on the phone. Ah, this is another one. This is another one of those, uh, those moments. So, oh, I'm giving this really big question. <laughs> You're going to have to answer your phone, Simon. Can you hear me? Yeah, so hang on, Simon. I'm going to ring you right now. So answer your phone, please, Simon. Answer your phone. Good on you, mate. Well, we've lost him. No, no, he'll come. Will he? We'll get him. Okay. We'll get him. We're getting used to this on live radio, yeah, aren't we? Yeah, we are. There we go. It's ringing. <laughs> it's, it's trying to work out what to do and what to say while it's ringing. That's well, right. I, I am coming into this interview simply because the questions are so important That's and right. it really matters. Now, Hunty. Yes. No, he's coming he's back coming on board back. here. Um, there we go. Yeah, we're away. Yeah, he's got that. He's got that message. Good day, yeah. mate. We're on the phone now, bro. Make sure you turn your computer so turn down, your computer mate. speaker off if you haven't already. Thanks, mate. Yeah, that's sorry us. about that. Have sorry. we got something going on our end, Hunty? Oh, it's a thunderstorm. It's rain. It's internet. Who knows what's going on? Yeah, all right. So here's a question. We'll start again. You ready, Simon? Ready. That go for it. What do I do if my child who's brought up in Christ rejects my values and goes and lives with a partner outside of marriage? Which is, see, for Christians, marriage is a big deal. It's, yep. it's God's ideal. And so you bring your child up for that. You're expecting that. You're hoping that. And then all of a sudden they bring a, a man or a woman home. Next thing you know, they're living together outside of marriage. Now, it might not be a big deal for people who aren't Christian, but for those of us who are Christian, we'll get why this is an important question. What's your advice? Yep, great question. You can hear me good on this phone? Yeah, we can. Okay, fantastic. So, look, my response to that one is probably the best thing that you can do is continue to just show a lot of love to your to your kids. Um, and I'm probably speaking that from my own experience. I know, you know, when I was a young guy, um, I, I gave up my walk with God for a few years, probably five or six years there. And um, what my parents did was they... They just kept on, on loving me, and uh, even though I wasn't doing things that lined up with their values, I mean, they told me that. They didn't really hide that, but at the same time, there was never a day when I didn't feel like I could just rock on back by home and say hello to my folks, or there was never a day when I didn't feel like I could just, you know, rock into church and still be accepted. So, um, if, my, by, so if my son or daughter does that, say my son does that, he goes and lives with a girl, how should I relate to him, mate? Should I... Should I go off at him? Should I say you're doing the wrong thing? Should I pull my Bible out and give him a Bible study and remind him of something he'd known all 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 his life? How do how how should I how should I um how should I how should I deal with that? Yeah, and I guess that's my reflection on it. Is I'm not so sure that um, going off at him or pulling the Bible out and giving him a good Bible bashing is is really going to work. I, I would imagine that if your son's kind of gone and made that decision or your daughter or whatever, they're probably in a space where perhaps the values or the things they've got aren't as super important to them at, at that time. And unfortunately, sometimes people got to work stuff out the hard way and they might do that for making some, some, some bad decisions along the way. And um, that at the end of the day, I think if we can love them through it and they can still see that we're very committed to our values and um, we're actually dedicated to God, um, we've got to put that prayer to him and, and um, leave it in his hands to bring them around, I guess. That would be my thought. Okay. I'm happy if, if well, you don't share those thoughts. I'm going <laughs> to take this further. What if my son lives in Melbourne and say I live in Sydney? This is fictional. My son doesn't live in Melbourne. By the way, my son's not living with a girl. 
He's in some ways he's living at home with you. Yeah. <laughs> he's shown no interest in moving out from home, brother. Okay. <laughs> but say my son lives in Melbourne. He meets this girl in Melbourne, and they're living together. And then he wants to come home to my place. You know, with his going, don't you? He wants to come yep. home to my place, stay with me over Christmas, say for five days, meet up with the family. He wants to bring his girlfriend, and he expects to be with her in the same room. I'm a Christian. I follow Christ. How do I deal with that? Yeah, so look, all I can share on is how I deal with that. Um, I draw the boundary line there where I basically say to them, hey, we'd love to have you at our place and we'd love to have you both so we can get to know you both and, and that sort of thing. But we'd just love to have you sleep in different rooms. And um, Would it, would it and, be fair to say if your son or daughter, could be either, knows your values, loves you and you've, you've fostered a good positive relationship with them, they possibly would know that and perhaps not push that boundary, or do you think they could push that? What's been your experience there as you've watched youth and work with youth over the years? Yeah, to be honest, my experience there is that young people that seem to have a really good relationship with their parents just don't seem to want to disappoint. And so I've noticed a lot of them, they'll hide stuff from their parents okay. because they, they don't want them to know, like, yeah, I've been up to this and I've been up to yeah. that. They don't want to disappoint. So I think... Um, if you've got a pretty good relationship with your kids, they probably won't push that boundary or those sorts of boundaries. If you don't, they might. And look, I don't want people to feel bad because that could be happening to somebody right yeah, now where yeah. the kid is pushing the boundaries and they're thinking, oh, that means I don't have a great relationship. Look, the, the truth of it is, is we serve a God who rewrites stories and, um, you know, it's never too late to start, to start something. And so it might be a matter of, um, a continual, pursuit of that relationship with the with your son or daughter even if they're a young adult and and trying to really invest in that and um well hunting, make your values clear hunt, in your home yeah hunting and i've talked about this we have and what if you're a parent and, and and you're already disenfranchised from your kid they've gone and done this they want to come home and in some ways it's a move back towards reconciliation you don't want to hurt that kid you don't want to drive that kid away haven't we talked about this hunty for sure. And and so would you risk standing on your values in your home anyway? Or would you, you. surrender and say nothing and just be glad they've come home and perhaps you can influence them by being in the home? The reason I ask this, this is a real issue for many people. Mm. So you're basically saying like if they wanted to come home for a visit and that sort of thing, you haven't had a great relationship. Do you stand on your values at home or do you kind of drop well, your values? They're there? coming home. You know they're going to want to be in that same room with that girl. Um, you know that if you make a stand, it will fracture the relationship further. You know that if you're there in your home, I'm just playing the devil's advocate here, mate. I have my own view and I'm happy to share that afterwards if you want. Well, well, let's see how you answer it first. <laughs> um, um so I, you know, I I don't want to fracture the relationship. I want to see, want them to see what a good relationship, mum and me and and God have together. And I know that if I don't let them stay in that place, it's going to fracture it further. I'm just taking a little bit further. Would you still stand on your digs for your values? Look, I mean, I'd pray about it for sure and see where the Holy Spirit led me in my life. But I've always been of the view that. You don't need to cross the line in terms of your values to win someone over. 
Mm. Um, as, as an example, like, you know, I go to the local um, CrossFit gym down here and stuff like that. We're having a chat the other day. Someone said to me, would you go to the CrossFit gym on Sabbath to build community? Yeah. And yeah. I sort of said, well, no, because I can build community Monday to Friday. Yeah. Um, yeah. So why do I need to go on Sabbath to build it? You know what I'm saying? Because on answer. Sabbath I want to go to church and worship. And yep. I guess I'd probably apply the same principle where I'd say, well, look, I'll do everything in my will and my power to build that good relationship with that young person, with my kid. But at the same time, I'd have to hold my boundaries. That's probably what I, I like do. It. I like it. Sometimes with God, you've got to lay your cards on the table. So as to say, you've got to do it gently. You've got to do it in the spirit of Christ. You've got to do it for a lot of prayer. But you need to, you, you never get anywhere, do you? By compromising your values and your, your belief in Christ to try and win. It just doesn't work, does it? No. And I think, I think that the stories I read in the scriptures is God blesses us when we hold to our values and, um, he does some interesting and out there things, and that's that's kind of where we see great things happen. So yeah, that would be my one on that. Okay, next question. I've twisted it a little bit. Um, how do you get a young person interested not just in the Bible, but in Christ, and especially if they've wandered away from the church? You, 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 now, I, th- this is a is a question for me because I do have um, children who are not churchgoers. Um, what do you do? How do you? What can you do to encourage you? your child to come or children to come back to church. Now, that that's a question just about it. I suppose, Hunty, almost every adverse every parent Almost, has. yeah. Yeah. Mm. Look, it's a, really, it's a really tough one, and I'm not sure I have a silver bullet answer for that question, but I guess the, the, the major thing that I can kind of think of is you really just have to be the person who lives out your faith. Um, you know, if, if people, if your young person, for example, is not reading the Bible and they're not interested in God and that sort of stuff, then they've got to read up because that, that's maybe what they're going to see uh, as a reflection of God. And so all we, all we can really do is try to actually really live out our faith. And what I mean by that is, you know, if, let's say, for example, you're at home and, um, a young person, like your kid or something comes to visit. If, if we're talking rudely to each other as the, as the parents or the, the spouses and stuff like that and, um, and then we're at church kind of, yeah, I praise the Lord, but they're not seeing the connect. Do you yeah, know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, I do. In our day-to-day lives, that's going to make it really difficult for them to actually see see um, the value of it all. But if they can see the connect between your life and who you are, I guess that would be probably one of the biggest things. I would say on top of that, if you want something that's a little more practical, I'd try and find something um, that you can get them involved in that's going to be a, a blessing to them where they can serve somebody else. Mm. So, you know, things like mission trips, I know we can't do much of that lately with the COVID and stuff like that, but um, i got a young guy I'm working with who's trying to get a lot of his mates involved in the water ski ministry that we do. Um, they're just kind of connecting points where, where people can be around other good people and hopefully mm. have a bit of a life-changing experience. So one thing I would say is send them to our youth event, yeah, youth rallies, yeah. summer camps, Stuff like that, all that stuff is impactful. Oh, it's very impactful. In fact, it's one of the reasons I still walk with Christ. I walked away too, and uh, it was a youth event run by the conference that, and, and, and the great time we had. Yep. Uh, i got one more question, uh, uh, two more questions. Here's the first one. Will you come back next week? Because we're only halfway oh, yes, through this, please. <laughs> Simon. 
yeah, that's cool. We can make it work. Good. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Bit of a phone dropout, but yeah, we, we can do that. Okay. The last one is, and, and it's another really serious one. We've only got a minute or two for it. Hunty's given me a wind up. How do I forgive myself when my child leaves Christ and the church and I know I have not brought them up as I should or could have? I think a lot yeah, of us, a lot of us think that. Yep. When our kids leave the church, we go, or, or leave Christ, and that's even more serious. They kind of go together, don't they? What, uh, what could I have done? Um, how can I forgive myself? You know, what do you say to us parents with that one? Well, for the parents out there, I would just say the, the the truth of it is what is now is done. And there's that old saying: you can't kind of cry over spilt milk. And I know it doesn't sound very tactful in this scenario, but it's like um, God is is a master of rewriting people's stories. And, yeah. and you know, you, you could dwell on the past and get yourself down about it and be depressed about it. But I, I guess the truth of the matter is it, it is what it is now. And all, all you can really do is give your heart to the Lord and, and, and move on in the best way that you can, knowing that His mercies are fresh every day. The Bible says that, mm. that He throws our sins into the depths of the ocean. So, yes, we may have made some mistakes, but there's a whole lot of grace in Jesus. Mm. And I would just say... Um, you can't dwell on the past. You've yeah. actually just got to take up your cross today, move forward, and and just be very prayerful that God would bless and hopefully bring your young person um, back into a relationship with Jesus. You can't underestimate, can you, how important your relationship with Christ is as your child looks on and in, even if you've made mistakes in the past. Because if you've made mistakes in the past and then you have a conversion experience, they're going to see it, and they're going to see the yeah. change. And they're going to see a difference Jesus does make, and that is an attractive thing. That's right. And and, and you know what? I have seen recently, actually, actually, some young people who have walked away from God from, like, late teens all the way through to early slash mid-30s. So, yeah. you know, you're talking that whole young adult yeah, yeah. Kind, of, yeah. kind of age group, and then round about there, gone, you know what? I think I need this character they call Jesus. And... I just think it happens, and um, never underestimate the values that you've in, you've instilled, and, um, and and keep your head up, moving yeah. forward. Thanks, Simon. It's great to have you on the program. We love having you as our youth leader here in Sydney. God be with you, and I look forward to talking with you next week because we've got some pretty important questions yet to go through. Sounds good. Thanks, Thanks. guys. Thanks, God bless everyone. See ya. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Pretty challenging questions, those, Hunty. That last one was a ripper. Oh, look, I think we feel it, especially those of us who do have children who probably don't walk with Christ as we might hope. That's right. And we pray deeply for them and we hope. And Christ is very powerful, but these are questions worth looking at. Wake up, little Isaac, rub your tired eyes. Go and kiss your mama, we'll be gone a little while Come and walk beside me, come and hold your papa's hand I go to make an altar and to offer up my lamb I waited on the Lord and in a waking dream he came Riding on a wind across the 
sand he spoke my name And here I am, I whispered And I waited in the dark And the answer was a sword That came down hard upon my heart Holy is the Lord, holy is the Lord And the Lord I will obey Lord, help me, I don't know the way Online, hang on a tick. Let me unmute him. Hang on, okay. Try now. There we go. Look at that. Good yeah. stuff. Want to welcome you to the program today. I was thinking about you and me and where you first came into my life. I think it was probably at Avondale College. And he swept in hunting. Now, yes. I just want to give you a little bit of background about this guy. I know why, a little bit of background. Why, why we felt a little <laughs> bit of resentment. <laughs> Is it something to do with squash? Yeah, it's absolutely everything to do with squash. He comes to Avondale College. Um, I played squash up to A2. Does that make sense, Michael? Yes. Uh, but reserve for A2. What really irritated me <laughs> was he comes to college. He didn't just beat me. He swept me aside oh, dear. with... Ease and, oh, and there, there was it was so and I could tell it was so easy. I never wanted to play him again. <laughs> uh, Welcome to the program, yeah, good Michael. To, good to have you on the program, Michael. We like more guests like you. <laughs> uh, it's great to be with you guys. Do you still and, play uh, squash? Oh, look, I I haven't. Um, yeah, just the the time of day and and bones are not as good as they used to be. I I tend to take up cycling these days, and it's just a really great way to get out in nature and uh, spend time with God and uh, getting some solitude. Now, I'm going to go to cycling in a second, but with squash, let's just go back there for a moment. How high did you actually go? Were you playing state championships and that, that sort of thing? Yeah, look, as a junior, I played in a couple of Australian championships. Uh, the first one 
um, in under 13s in uh, Victoria and then in under 17s in Queensland a couple of years later. And uh, in that second one, I was representing Tasmania. And this is when squash was pretty big in Australia too. Sure. Um, and, and you are a gifted athlete. As painful as it is to acknowledge it. <laughs> because you just said you're a cyclist, and you're actually a pretty hardcore cyclist too. You're riding, what, a week? In a normal week, what do you ride? If you get, you know. Uh, look, I took up cycling when we first went into lockdowns, and I've just been ramping up over the last 18 months. But over the last three or four months, I've been riding more than 300 kilometres a week. Wow. Yeah. It's doing good for your health? You actually, uh, you're looking good, mate. <laughs> Feeling good, feeling yeah. good. What is it about and, riding you like? Look, it, it, it helps to counterbalance my addiction to chocolate, to be honest. But <laughs> <laughs> Love it. If that was true, Hunty, we should be riding. We should be about riding. 400 k's. <laughs> well, I am, the, I am riding, but not like this guy. Um, look, the, the, the reality is, you know, life is intense, and I think we all, we've all found the last 18 months during the pandemic it takes a toll on, on your mental health. And I think just having that additional fitness, that time for solitude, and as I say, I like to ride up in the Dandenongs. I live down in Melbourne. And uh, just to enjoy nature, uh, it, it's just refreshing for the soul. Yeah, yeah, it is, it is. Um, and it keeps you, as you get older, in good shape. Look, tell us briefly about yourself, where you grew up, uh, what you trained as, the job you've got now, if you want to, a little bit about your family. Sure, yeah. Look, originally from uh, Launceston in Tasmania, I, I did most of my schooling in Melbourne. And, um, yeah, uh, as a teenager, I, I guess I was wondering really about the meaning of life, purpose of life, and uh, through some, some extended family, uh, was introduced to Jesus and, and to the Seventh-day Adventist Church and, and really becoming a Christian and Following that calling is the best decision I ever made in my life. Yeah, yeah. And um, God kept putting people in my life. You know, I was very shy as a teenager. I, you know, just couldn't speak in front of anybody. And so when people started saying, you should become a pastor, I, I laughed at them. But over over a period of time, um, I, I sensed that was where God was leading. So I, I trained to be a pastor. That was where we first met at, at Avondale. And uh, through there, over the last... Getting close to 30 years, I've, I've served as a, a local church pastor and in various other roles. Currently, uh, I work as the general secretary for our national body for the Seventh-day Adventist Church and also am the director for public affairs and religious liberty, which is just a really fascinating space um, when you look at everything going on in our country. Actually, it's true you have had a lot of experience right across the broad gamut of ministry, local church. You were actually a, a conference president, which means you're in charge of the work of the church and, I don't know, about 40, 50 pastors, is that, and 100 churches in Sydney? Is that about right? Yes, yes. Tell us just, before we get into the questions, just tell us a little bit more about your job. You said you're, you're a general secretary. What does that actually mean for our listeners? So the way that the Seventh-day Adventist Church is structured is each administrative unit has three officers, a president, a, a general secretary and a chief financial officer. And the role of the general secretary is to assist in the mission of the church in creating an environment where ministry can thrive and, and, and be successful. And specific areas of um, responsibility in addition to spiritual leadership is um, governance, um, human resources, um, compliance, so areas like child protection, work health and safety, uh, policy, 
So some of the things that, that people, I guess, at times find really dry and probably when those things are working well and they're invisible, that's when the church is, yeah. is really going ahead. Do you, do you find it interesting, governance, that sort? Do you actually find it interesting? Is this a, a bit of a passion of yours? Yeah, look, it, it's something that I've, this is my second stint in the role of secretariat and I, I find it in enabling ministry and empowering ministry where it's creating a framework where people like yourself, um, Lloyd, can, can go ahead and, and do a lot of that frontline mm. preaching of the gospel, knowing that all the structures and systems are in place to, to make the yeah. church um, successful. And it's becoming increasingly important job as governments make new laws and there's legislation, we're going to talk a bit about that today, that the church is able to work within that, within that environment without getting into too much trouble. Um, so it is an important job. Okay, Let, let's look at religious liberty. Um, and I think religious liberty, for those who are Christian, this is not just an Adventist thing. It is a big deal, and it's a big deal in Australia and becoming increasingly so. How would you define uh, religious freedom or religious liberty? How would you define it? So the, the United Nations says in their core documents that there are a number of fundamental human rights um, that we have in our world. And, you know, uh, and, and as a result of that, a whole lot of anti-discrimination legislation is set up. And one area that is considered to be a universal um, human right or, or fundamental human right is the freedom to religion or belief and that is to hold a religious belief or conviction or even the, the ability to hold no faith at all and that should be protected from being um, restricted or repressed by other people within reason and and the challenge of of balancing all of these fundamental human rights is to make sure that no one right dominates another so the idea of religious freedom is about me having um, the ability to hold my genuinely held belief and to be able to express it and to be able to live it out um, whilst allowing other people to, to live and thrive around me without um, one right or one belief dominating another. Okay, that's good. Does the Seventh-day Adventist Church have a history in Australia with religious liberty and the laws surrounding it? Look, I'm really proud of our history as a Seventh-day Adventist church. This has been, I guess, a core foundational principle since our very inception that we would advocate for freedom of religion, not just for Seventh-day Adventists, mm. but for people of all faiths and even those of no faith. And we've got quite a history and track record of being involved in that. But our fledgling Seventh-day Adventist church in the 1890s, when there was just 2,000 Seventh-day Adventists in Australia, yeah. when the Australian Constitution was being formed, um, became very active to say, look, we don't believe there should be a state-mandated religion. Mm. And uh, through the work of our, our early pioneers writing letters to newspapers and politicians, um, that led to the formation of what is now Section 116 in the Australian Constitution. Which is what? Separation of... It would basically prohibits the, the, the legislation of a state religion because that was the fear in the day that, that one church or one denomination would be legislated that this is the state religion and, and you know, that would give them um, a, a, a blending of church and state that we as Seventh-day Adventists believe wouldn't be healthy. So would it be fair to say that Seventh-day Adventists believe that 
church and state should actually be separate? Is that is that our position? Absolutely. And what, one of the challenges, the idea of church and state, separation of church and state is foundational to us, but there's two different schools of thought in, in how that works. As Seventh-day Adventists, we, we believe that the separation of church and state should create a framework for the freedom of religion. But what we're finding is that some people in our secular society today are actually pushing for a different picture of the separation of church and state, and that is they're pushing for the separation of, uh, for, for what would be characterised as the freedom from religion. Yeah, they almost want the to obliterate, obliterate religion. Well, basically, freedom of religion says that the church and state coexist, Yeah, um, that both should have a voice in the public square, and we should respectfully listen to each other and provide room for each other to exist. As Christians, we should believe we, we should respect government. Yes, you know, as far as it doesn't cut across our, our our core belief system, but the government should also provide room where people of faith can can exist without being unnecessarily restricted in the expression of their belief. What freedom from religion is really saying is, look, you people of faith, we don't want to hear from you. Go and sit over in the corner, do your own thing, but please don't trouble us in the public square. We don't want to hear from you. They almost and, want and to really ban you. They want to, they want to ban you in the public square. Yes, yes. In other well, words, severely limit. They, they want to say you can't share your faith with secular Australians. Stay away from us. And if you do, we're going to make it illegal. Is that how you? Is that what you're saying? Look, there, there's that element about it, and and certainly that discussion's going on federally and in a number of states. But but even more worryingly, well, so so there's the. The, the rights of individuals, you know, of, of um, people in society that are being um, impinged upon or, or pressure to be impinged upon, but there's also the, the, the coming restrictions on how faith-based organisations can operate within society where they're not being able to live out their beliefs in the way they operate the, the organisations that they've established, the ministries that they've established. Okay, we're going to talk about that in a minute. But before we do, I just want to ask you one more question, then I want to get into it, uh, some of the laws that are being enacted, whether they're good or bad, whether we support them or, or where we're at as a church. Um, what is the state of religious freedom right now in Australia? Because perhaps many of us don't really know. Sure. Well, basically... The only fundamental human right that has no protection at a federal level in Australia is the freedom of religion. There is no legislation. I find, I find, that, incre I find that incredible. We're the only Western democracy that, that doesn't have any positive protection for freedom of religion. Wow. So what does that mean in a practical sense? Are we free in Australia or are we not? Look, we've had freedom of religion in many respects, and, and certainly compared to many parts of the world, we, we don't experience the kind of oppression that some countries experience, mainly because it's been a societal norm, not because there's a legal framework to yeah. protect it. Yeah. Most states and territories have some sort of um, religious freedom protection framework, but New South Wales, South Australia and the Commonwealth don't have anything in place currently. And New South Wales being the largest state in the Commonwealth, it's a fair... And the, and the fact that the Commonwealth itself, the feds don't have laws, it, it is worrying. Um, look, let's, let me ask you some specific 
questions. Can you tell us about Victoria's latest pandemic law just passed last week? We've been hearing a lot of noise about this up in New South Wales, both positive and negative. Could you just share with us a little bit about that and whether or not it poses a threat to religious liberty in that particular state? There was actually two pieces of legislation passed in Victoria last week and the pandemic bill was the one that got a lot of press, but the yeah. amendments to the Equal Opportunity Act uh, are just, just as dire for people of faith as, as the pandemic bill. And, and certainly, you know, the pandemic bill um, has significant overreach, you know, into uh, how it can um, detain or restrain people based on certain attributes. Now, there were some last-minute amendments uh, that have been made that have that have softened some of the edges, but it's really just window dressing, because in 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 the real the real cold hard light of day, it it, it gives the um, the government of the day unprecedented powers. Look, to to have a couple of dozen senior legals experts, the silks, the the the, the Queen's Council mm. uh, equivalents come out and write letters to the government about the breach of civil liberties contained in the bill should cause alarm for everyday Australians that 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 a government of the day would seek to to corner such powers for themselves it, it's it's out of step with what we understand to be a liberal democracy can we flesh uh, that out a little bit what <clears throat> What are the powers that we should be concerned about that the government has grabbed hold of in Victoria? Well, well basically, um, ju just the ability to lock down society at will under these pandemic, e even if there's no cases, even if there's no pandemic for, for three months at a time, and basically to bypass many of the parliamentary processes. Um, you know, we're still digesting, or certainly I am, digesting some of the, the, the minor tweaks that were made on the way through. But basically it's putting all the power in the hands of the Premier and uh, of the Health Minister to be able to make decisions to basically park regular parliamentary process. Yes, there's some committees that now have to review it, but mm. when, when you look at the makeup of the Parliament, it still leaves uh, a significant amount of power in, in the hands of the, the Premier and the and the health minister. Why should that and, concern um, the church? Yeah, what, it, what it, is it about? Concerned. What is it about that that should concern the church? And I'm not just talking about the Adventist church. I'm talking Christianity because I notice that other Christian leaders are also alarmed. Uh, what is it about that that is concerning the church? The fact that the premier has the ability to shut. Is it because they could shut down worship, public worship? Is that the issue? Or? Well, they, I guess they can shut down. Um, Pretty much anything they want. It basically sets aside our de democratic processes um, and and reduces the amount of scrutiny that that is available to to the democratic uh, process. Um, yeah, it, it just concentrates power in very very few sets of hands can, uh, can, to make can, decisions. Can the feds override these laws? Because I noticed that uh, the feds override. Uh, Victoria on the Belt and Road Initiative, and I'm just wondering, could the feds, if they wanted to, come in and override these state laws? Look, uh, there's very limited provisions, and as I indicated before, my, my trainings as a pastor, not as a lawyer, yeah, yeah. There, there is very limited provisions within the Australian Commonwealth Constitution that allows for state overrides. 
and uh, I guess the, the, the federal government needs to be very judicious how and where they use those um, without breaking down the federation of states that we have. Um, so, yeah, look, I, I couldn't comment with certainty. Okay. I, I think it would be unlikely um, that, that it would be feasible for the federal government to, to override the state-based legislation given the nature of the federation and the nature of the provisions within um, the, the Australian Constitution. Just one other quick question on this, and then I want to go to that second law that was passed. Potentially, do you see any problems for the church in the future with these laws, or is it too early to tell? I, I think it's like a lot of laws that, that lurk in the background. In, in, in the hands of good people operating for, with, with a proper purpose and, and with the right intent, um, I, I guess, you know, the, the, the risks are limited. But always when you look at the worst-case scenario um, and in the hands of someone with, with, with um, bad intent, yeah. uh, then, then I think they become very dangerous. Now, I'm not suggesting the government of the day has got, got bad intent, um, but, but laws like this can sit in the background for 20, 30, 50 yeah, yeah, years yeah, yeah. and you don't know what the future might bring and someone might stumble across them, someone might get into office who says, yeah. hey, I'd really like to activate these laws. Oh, look at all the powers that have been sitting in the background. Yeah. And, and, and so I guess that's the risk of, of, of handing such significant powers to the government of the day at some point in the future. I think the fact and the reality is that's not how democracy, Western democracy, is supposed to work. And I think Correct. that's one of the big problems. Um, yeah. You said another law was passed down there. Now, we need to go that quickly because I want to get to this uh, federal yes. law as well. Yeah. So basically the amendments to the Equal Opportunity Act in Victoria um, are cutting across really federal um, employment legislation. And, and what these amendments basically do is say, and, and it's largely on the, on the grounds of sexuality, yep. that a Christian employer, such as a Christian school or a church office, um, there, there's a carve-out for ministers of religion, so as clergy, we're safe. Yep. But, but for other employees, as long as they say they believe what the teachings of the faith community are, they don't have to live by them. So they can practice whatever they want. Yeah, I know it's extreme. So, I know it's extreme, but they could be a Satanist and and teaching in a Christian school. Yeah, look, it's it's primarily around the area of, of sexual sexuality. Okay. So you know, uh, look, there is an opportunity um, within the legislation that, as long as we publish clearly on our websites and in all of our documents what our belief system are, then we have to jump through a, a number of hoops to show that a role has inherent requirements for that person to be of that faith. But basically what the Victorian Attorney-General in the briefing said about it was, we can't imagine how the maths teacher would have an inherent requirement to uphold the teachings of your faith. Mm. We can't imagine how the gardener would have an inherent requirement to uphold your faith. So they might say, look, I, I believe in, in marriage, mm -hmm. but they, they could run around and be having affairs, whether they're heterosexual or, Whatever. or, or other, yeah. um, and basically what they're saying is unless you can demonstrate that it's an inherent requirement of the job that they live out the beliefs they say they believe, they can't be fired uh, for living a lifestyle differently to the beliefs and teachings and the ethos of the Christian school or the church office 
um, that they represent. Very, very challenging times for Christian employers. Indeed, indeed. Um, almost to the point where you're saying we're going to need the divine wisdom of God, especially you men and women who lead the church, and I'm talking about leadership at your level, to be able to make decisions to allow the church to continue to operate within its faith paradigms. Yeah. yeah. Well, what I see is that we're undermining our pluralistic yeah. um, modern society in that we're forcing society to be vanilla. Now, yeah. it seems to me ironic that Christian faith-based schooling is the fastest growing sector yeah. in, 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 in the whole schooling spectrum. Um, parents, it's a competitive marketplace. Parents are choosing to pay money to put their children in faith-based schools because it provides a unique perspective that they want. It provides values yeah. and principles that mums and dads want for their children. And we sacrifice and the government to comes do along it. And says, we don't want you to be distinctive and unique in these areas. You've got to be vanilla. You've yeah. got to be generic. You've got to fit into our ideology, our worldview. Otherwise, you know, there, there, there will be consequences. And so it seems to me that the, the government's going in one direction, which is the opposite direction to what a lot of mums and dads who are voting with their feet, voting with their wallets, saying, we want the values and principles of faith-based education for our children. Now, I'm going to ask the question again because you said these state laws countermand federal ones. Which one stands? Yes. Well, on this particular one, the, the religious discrimination bill that, that is the topic of conversation at the moment... So now we're moving on to the third bill, which is the yes, federal well, bill. The, yeah. the, the federal religious discrimination bill does have the capacity to make it very clear that they can override in these areas because it falls into more of a federal domain. And the Attorney General, when I interviewed her uh, together with Lyle Southwell on Faith FM last Monday, made it very clear that they are planning to actually insert a clause into the Religious Discrimination Bill that does override some elements of what the Victorian Equal Opportunity Act amendments um, are seeking to achieve. So what does that religious discrimination bill say? Well, the religious discrimination bill, and, and this is a really important distinction, it is not a religious freedom act. Mm -hmm. It is a religious discrimination bill. What does that mean? What it means is I am protected from being discriminated against on the basis of my faith or on the basis of having no faith at all. Mm -hmm. Okay? Already there's legislation that protects me from discrimination against my gender, against my race, against my sexuality, against a whole range of things. But there's nothing that protects me if I'm discriminated against on my beliefs, my religion. So it is a complainant's right. So if I feel that I'm discriminated against, I can go and lodge a claim okay. with the federal government to say I've been discriminated against because I believe X, Y, Z and that way I can, I can seek to have whatever actions being taken against me resolved. It's designed, and, and it has a couple of unique attributes where it's designed to say, I can make statements of belief, and, and, and that's all fine. It's how I go about making them that could be a problem. So it doesn't give me the right to vilify. No. You know, it doesn't give me the, 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 
the, the right to humiliate other people yeah. in the way I go about making my statements of faith. So, you know, as is true with most things in this world, there are plenty of things that are lawful to do mm. that are not wise to do, yeah. that are not prudent to do. Yeah. And uh, what, what the Religious Discrimination Bill is seeking to do is to provide a shield that protects people of faith, not a sword that allows people of faith to attack other people. Got it. Now, look, we're almost out of time. I've got one minute. I want to ask you this last question. Um, someone said this bill is dead. I read it and heard it. So I read it in news and I heard it on the radio. Is that true? Now we've got 30 seconds, brother. No, the bill is not dead. There's a lot of misinformation out there. And those who oppose the bill are trying to conflate the religious discrimination okay. bill as attacking sexuality. Okay. No, the Sex Discrimination Act deals with sexuality. This is about protecting re against religious discrimination, okay. and the bill is certainly not dead. Thank you for that. Uh, I wonder, uh, now I know you're very busy, can we get you back in the next few months and talk a bit more sure. about religious liberty here in Australia? Um, very happy to. It's a Thank very you. interesting subject. Thank you for coming on board today. As I said, I know you're very busy. We appreciate it. Uh, God bless you. May we never meet on the squash court again. <laughs> Amen. See ya. Nice to talk. Wow, that was very interesting. You know, we've got time for our last song by Anna Weatherup. On a hill far away Stood an old rugged cross The emblem of suffering and shame Dearest and best From a world of lost sinners was slain So I cherish The old rugged cross Till my trophies Last I
be true Shame and reproach gladly bear And he'll call me someday To that home far away Where his glory friend of yours, Hunty. She is. Great and singer. a good singer too. Mm. Look, um, I'm sorry we've missed our Bible study this week. We're going to have a long one next week. Okay, we? very we'll, good. We'll split it with a song, but we'll make up to you next week. These these are just really, really important issues. I found that so interesting. I didn't yeah. understand the issue, but now I do. Yeah, we're going to come back to him in the new year, yep. um, and we're going to talk more religious liberty because I think it has pretty serious prophetic uh, implications. Now, Hunty. Yep. Um, I would like to offer something new today as we close our program. What's that? That's prayer. I'd love that too. If you have a prayer request, then send it to us. Mm. And I give you my word, as a man of God and hunty too, we will pray for that prayer request specifically. Let's put those two lovely listeners on. We already had this afternoon. Lady who's in physical danger from her husband and the person who's... Got the drug problem. So if you had a prayer request and you want us to pray for yep. you, what would they do, Hunty? Text, text us your request to 0488-880-851 or email your prayer request to info com, and Pastor Lord and I would be so happy and blessed to pray and for you. And we're not just saying it. We actually will pray specifically for you. And don't forget, if you've got a question, Get that question into us as well. Of course. We'd we're we're loving you. this uh, Ask the Aussie Pastor Yeah, we do. Segment. Good segment. Um, busy day today. If you're wondering why we had technical difficulties, well, we did this program straight through the middle of a thunderstorm. Is that what it was, you reckon? Yeah, I do. Eh. When it, whenever we get thunderstorms in this area. It kills the internet, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. <laughs> it does. And I, I hope you're able to stay with it. Talked about some really important subject. I want to invite you back next week. Some more good guests. I think we've got two more programs, Auntie. Yep. And then it's Christmas. And then we're off for Christmas. That's right. <sighs> Let's play some carols next week. What do you reckon? Don't know. If we can find some. <laughs> <laughs> it's trying to find them. Anyway, God bless you. I want to pray for you before we go. Dear Father in heaven, we're living in a really turbulent world. Today we've talked about some pretty important subjects. Um, and, Lord, we've, we've talked about our finances. Uh, we've talked about our children. And then we've talked about the state of of liberty in this country where we thought we were free. Pray for our politicians as they lead us in these difficult times, Lord. But I pray also for us, the church, for Christianity, for this nation, that we will continue to keep our freedoms, 
so that we can worship you and share you, Lord, to a to a nation that needs to hear from you. Thank you, Lord, for hearing this prayer. Bless our listeners now, I pray, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Amen. Amen. Well, my name is Lloyd Groleman. Hey, my name's Hunty. And we, and we love you. But you know what? Mm. God loves you a whole so lot So much more. more. See you next week. Thanks for joining the Aussie Pastor. If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, always to support us, go to findjesus.tv. 